0: Welcome to the 312th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome, and thank you for listening. Like I said, I'm an endurance athlete. If you don't listen to this podcast in the past, currently I'm training for a 50K race in September, followed by a swim run, long course in November, and a 50-miler in January, I guess put December a um, the CIM marathon. I'm also uh, happy to report that I'm also a rad rabbit um, athlete, which basically means that uh, I like to run in rabbit gear and I'm a plant-based cardiologist and uh, a little different from the rest of the world. But anyway, that's how that goes. So today's podcast, what does a book on metabolism, have to do with running, LSD, the Hadza tribe in Africa, plant-based nutrition, anxiety, and Johnson & Johnson sunscreen. So that's your highlight for today. Let's see if I can pull all that together. Um, As I said in the beginning, I'm training for a 50-K, so... Uh, July was the month that it's time to start thinking about ramping up the mileage, so um, the plan is to run most days during the week. Friday, I am reserving for swimming. Saturday, a long run. Sunday, a not-so-long, moderate run. And then Monday um, will be a rest day on occasion. So probably about every 10 days, I may take a rest day. Um, I do at least one strength training session a week. That's gonna have to increase a little bit. Um, So that's kind of where we are right now. So last Saturday, I wasn't too real excited about going out for my 15 miler. So I have to do a little self-talk, so to speak. And, um, you know, my mantra is just get out the door. You can go slow. Let's see how it goes. Um, I, I take Sophie, uh, my almost one-year-old German shepherd with me that's squealing in the background because she wants to play ball uh, for the first three and a half, four miles and she's doing really good. Uh, we started uh, by walking and then adding a little running in and, and now she can keep the pace pretty good. We have to slow down for cars, we slow down for meet and greets, but it's a nice way to warm up for that first three and a half, four miles. Uh, and then I go out on my own and do a, a longer loop. And um, I'm, I'm a barn runner, so I, I try to stay away from the house. So I go out and try not to come back to the house until I'm finished. So I try to run where there's parks and, and water, water stops and um, I usually carry a couple gels or chews with me and this week while running down the street that I always run down there was a box of my favorite fruit saying free mango and of course I'm running away so I wasn't coming back it's like if that's still here when I come back I'm going to grab a mango to take because as you all know I really love mangoes and they're all these different kind of varieties so we're always uh keen to try different varieties and uh, maybe save a seed or so and try to start one. So that was my thought process. So I got to my turnaround and came back and sure enough the mangoes were still there. So I grabbed one that was pretty firm so that I could carry it um, in, my, in my hand or uh, my waist pack. And then I thought, you know, I why carry this for another five or six miles if it's not any good so there were some really ripe ones there so i decided to try one so i stopped on the side of the road um if you've ever peeled a mango um, if they're really ripe, the skin will just kind of come off so i i peeled the mango and sat right over a kind of drainage dish or stood right over a drainage ditch and ate that mango and then uh it was really really good it was very ripe and carried on and turns out again it was really good so i kept the the green one and um went on about my run and i felt great that was the best five or six finishing miles that i've had in a long time and i gotta blame the mango you know so it was just the right uh you know i didn't have any stomach issues with it um it was hydrating perked me up so i gotta say running on mangoes is not not a bad thing So I use that, I'm going to come back and check out the mangoes as a distraction uh, for, you know, um, instead of just counting one more mile, one more mile, it's like, okay, where is this? And then I turn around, I come back, and I have something to look forward to midway. I also break up my runs. You know, I run to water stop to water stop. You know, you get to the final turnaround, then you just have to come back. And I go to a park, and it's a nice place to look out over a walk. And so I I use that to break up in uh, my run up, and and that helps all because I think you have to play games. You have to play games with your long runs. Uh, You have to play games with your nutrition, with yourself, so that it keeps interesting and you keep mindful about it, but you don't become overwhelmed. The other thing that I thought was well, what would I be doing if I wasn't running? You know, What would I rather be doing? And the reality of it is I do like to be outside and running, so I didn't want to be inside doing something. So, okay, so that was good. I had that time allotted for running. Um, and uh, so, uh, again, a positive reinforcement to, you know, to get you through something that maybe just, you know, you could also talk yourself out of. It's hot, it's very humid, it's sweaty. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be tired. I have to go to the hospital afterwards to make rounds. You know, I mean, all these other negative things could come in, but just kind of keep focusing on the task at hand things, um, very pleasant. And, again, the mango really helped things a lot. I use the same thing about swimming. Something about swimming, you know, the first getting in and getting wet, first thing in the morning, uh, I'm not too keen on that either. And so I've got to kind of talk myself into that whole process and – I found a new pool very close by that's a 50 meter pool. So it's really like swimming in open water because you can go 50 meters without having to to do a turnaround. And um, But again, I had to go to a new pool, so it's a new place and you know, so I I got in the water and uh, 50 meters is really good. You don't have to keep doing flip turns and I was really enjoying that. And again, start talking about what would you rather do? This is your rest day from running, let your legs heal. Uh, the water's very soothing and very relaxing and the sun is coming up and you know again talk, talk myself through that and you know really enjoying my new uh, my new swim place at the Centennial Park in Northport I guess it's still Port Charlotte so I swim and I run and I lift weights and I used to bike haven't been biking for a while um, As my means of exercise it's my favorite form of exercise I used to golf uh, way back when but it takes too long and it's not really cardiovascular and I just don't find it a good use of my time and for exercise but those those are my things that I do for exercise and I do them to keep physically fit to keep mobile Uh, because of those things I need to do stretching so that that keeps me Mobile. I um, am happy to say in a few, probably the end of next month, I'm having Katie Bowman on the podcast. I'm very excited about that because she has a new book about mobility and, you know, acts of daily living, living to keep moving. And the stretching and um, mobility that I do is all part of me trying to stay active and to keep my running and my other activities going without getting injured but what does it do for my metabolism? And I often hear people say to me when they come in the office, well, I gained a few pounds because I haven't been exercising and I was traveling and you know, it was hot and I couldn't go out or it was cold and I couldn't go out or it's humid and I couldn't go out and my ankle hurts and I couldn't go out and I just haven't been exercising. So I've, I've uh, I've gained some weight. And so is there any credence to that? Is that the reason why people gain weight? Is that the reason why as people get older that they gain weight? Even though gym memberships have gone up tremendously, marathon running has become a boom. You see people running all over the place. 5Ks are more crowded than ever. Um, There's mud runs. There's all these different things. And yet people keep getting heavier and heavier. So what does are they really exercising and is a lack of exercise uh that little missing a few days here and there enough to cause people to lose weight what's what's it all about and you know i've always told my members and people that i come in contact with that even training for a marathon or an ultra or an ironman i never have to worry about eating more to keep my weight from going down too much um my weight may fluctuate a pound or two one way or the other. And if I watch a little bit before a race, I can get a little bit leaner for the race because obviously you can go a little faster if you're a little lighter, but for the most part, I don't lose any weight during all those hot, humid training sessions in the summer. And, you know, I'm swimming, biking, running, um, you know, for the Ironman, I'm running now. So I'll run 55 miles a week, uh, 60 miles a week and peak training um, you know, I'm swimming 2,200 meters currently. I might get that up to 3,000, 4,000 uh, by the time I'm ready for the swim run. And my weight won't change appreciably. So if my weight doesn't change, then, you know, I tell people in my practice, you know, walking three miles three times a week is not going to really be what makes or breaks you. So if you look at caloric burn for exercise, um you know there's more calories in in running than walking but for the most part and the bigger you are you burn a little bit more calories um, per hour for instance um, you know basic metabolic rate people that are heavier burn more calories you have to pump blood if you run you you may burn a few more calories but um, I started reading a new book called burn by Herman Ponser he's a phd and he's an anthropologist, and he said that, you know, really, he kind of goes along with me. It's uh, what you do with your activities really not going to make or break you as far as your weight goes or or significant weight loss. And he even goes further to say that, you know, the macronutrients that you eat, whether it's plants, or I'm sorry, whether it's protein, carbohydrates, or fats, that's not going to make that big a difference. And it turns out, no matter how fast you run, it doesn't really make that difference, uh, much of a difference. You know, a few 50, 100, 200 calories here or there, but again, not a huge difference. And turns out that the more we exercise, the hungrier we get and we take in more calories, or if we starve ourselves, our metabolism starts to slow down a little bit so our body knows how to conserve energy. So our burn, Uh, our caloric burn really uh, is we self-regulate whether we're taking in more calories or taking in less calories Um, you know we we self-regulate to some degree and when it comes down to weight loss it doesn't matter whether it's protein carbohydrate or fat it's total amount of energy in total amount of energy out just like everybody said for years but you know it doesn't sell near as many books if you can't have a diet that you know demonizes fat or protein or carbohydrates but um, Dr. Ponzer um, looked at a hunter-gatherer tribe in the Congo, the Hadza, and they actually um, they eat a lot of honey, which is metabolized uh, for the most part just like high-fructose corn syrup. They eat tubers and berries, and uh, they eat some some meat. Their diet is pre- predominantly carbohydrate. Um, and it's relatively low in fat. They don't have carbo- they don't have uh, cardiovascular disease or any other lifestyle diseases, and they're about 10% body fat. And you know, you could say, well, these guys are—you know—exercising all day long and hunting and uh, for their food, and so they burn a lot more calories. Turns out, they don't burn much more calories than the average standard American. Um, but their ability to conserve their energy uh, to main- to meet their requirements uh, adjust and basically uh, you know what he discusses is that our brain uh, you know has the ability to kind of turn on hunger turn off hunger uh, and we adjust adjust things accordingly and it's a lot easier to do that uh, when we're not eating processed food so if you look at You know, the the bad thing in the standard American diet, it's the processed foods and our ability to actually have our body recognize those foods and control our intake. So you might say, well, Dr. Delaney, then why are we listening to a plant-based wellness podcast if it doesn't really matter what we eat as long as we just control energy in and energy out? And theoretically, we should be able to live on Twinkies or Snickers if we just eat the right amount and we'll be okay. Well, again, it comes down to being able to adjust uh, and be mindful of just eat one. Uh, and we know um, the way processed food companies are designed is to have us not be able to eat just one. Nobody eats one M&M. Nobody eats one potato chip. You might eat one potato, Uh, But you're probably going to eat more than one French fry, even though most people say they don't. And that's the other problem, is that as humans, we're really not very good at reporting what we eat. We're off, on average, about 30%. So um, when people mark down on their uh, iFit or their whatever app they use to track their caloric intake, it's, it's bare minimum off 30% and that doesn't even take in portion control and error. same way goes for the calories that you expend on um, the elliptical machine at the planet fitness versus the la gym or wherever you might go or however expensive it is they're based on mathematical models that are not really all that accurate either so we don't know how much we're burning and we just don't know how much we're taking in um and when we eat processed food we don't even understand um the we, we lose our ability to actually kind of stop what we're doing and, and take in as much you know we, we lose track of how much we're taking in so again back to well why be plant-based if you know that that doesn't count but it's it's more than just calories so uh, and, and that's what I've talked to people in my practice about for a long time. It's more than just losing weight to achieve health. Um, again, most of uh, lifestyle diseases in America and first world countries are based on metabolic excess. It's not because we don't have enough of it; it's because we have too much of. So we have too much energy coming in, not enough, eh, too much energy coming in for what we burn. What we burn is not um, all that variable. But the kind of energy we have coming in is also very important as far as our lifestyle diseases. For instance, if you're eating plants, you're getting fiber, and fiber helps us to feel full. Fiber feeds our gut microbiome. Uh, It it helps um, decrease our cholesterol absorption. We also take in um, phytonutrients, antioxidants with our plant-based foods that decrease blood flow into cancer, potential cancers to stop them from occurring, to decrease damage, the potential DNA damage that may spur cancers, to decrease inflammation. So that's where what we eat becomes very important as opposed to just the energy value of what we eat. If you're eating salty, processed french fries, you eat too many of them, Uh, chances are, but but you're also getting inflammatory omega-6s, saturated fat, the ability to make cholesterol, salt that is inflammatory, as well as um, will cause retention of water and accelerate blood pressure. So eating, again, um, goes back to eating a more natural Um, plant-based hunter-gatherer type food would would be uh, optimal. So back to your tubers, which would be sweet potatoes, white potatoes, yams, carrots, rutabagas, uh, beets, you know, so root vegetables as well as other vegetables that we have and and fruits um, are again uh, full of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and fiber, but also provide us with the fiber to tell our bodies, hey, we've had enough. Um, and it's also important to get enough, and I say this with a grain of salt, enough protein in our plant food by selecting grains and beans as a part of our diet so that we, don't, um, that we feel full, feel satisfied. Because the other part of the equation, you can put somebody in nutritional jail for a while, but when the you know the, the door is open, then people run for all those so-called comfort foods or foods to fill them up and uh, make them feel better. I hear it over and over again. You know, I heard it this week. Well, I do really good when I go out because I just order a salad. And yes that's good and i don't mind i I don't mind ordering a salad it's no problem for me to sit there and eat a salad while other people are having full meals the problem is is when you get home Um, if you get home and it's late and you're still hungry and you keep grazing even if it's on plant foods um, then the plant foods tend to start becoming more calorie dense foods or more comfort foods and the total energy in starts to exceed what your daily burn is. So that's where the, the problem comes in. The other problems with people that already have lifestyle diseases, then there's al- already a dysfunction of metabolism to start with. So can't get the glucose into the cell because fat's blocking the cell, need more insulin, have more inflammation. And so that also plays a role into it. So if we go back to the Hadza, African tribe they don't have the lifestyle diseases makes things a little bit more simple Um, they don't have the choice they don't have the lifestyle diseases and things are more naturally dialed in they also have to worry about getting eaten by a lion infectious disease and poor water but you know that's that's on the side if I have someone that's really struggling trying to be plant-based and it's making them so anxious and so worried and it's such a struggle to make the food, um, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. It's just like anything else when they try to contain themselves, when they fall off and go back the other direction, it's going to be a huge swing in, in the other direction. And you know, you can liken that to, um, there was the study done on the biggest loser, and those people lost hundreds of pounds after, you know, uh, being severely calorically restricted. They um, made it out like they were exercising four or five pounds, uh, four or five hours a day, and they, they, I'm sure they were exercising, but the biggest thing is they were severely calorically energy restricted. And so when they were left to their own and they followed up with them and seven years later, they'd all gained their weight back. Uh, And and some of their, in their metabolism had actually been compromised by it because they had been in such a state of starvation that their body had actually adjusted to the low calorie intake that they were doing. So when they went back to their old ways of eating, it was was much worse because their metabolism had dropped down much lower than it had previously, and they started eating the very calorie-dense foods, and uh, they gained all the weight back plus more. So the idea is not to put yourself in nutritional jail, to do things slowly and do them comfortably and do things because you want to do them, not because people are are making you do them or you're making somebody else do them. Um, I had the pleasure of becoming plant-based, becoming vegan because I chose to, not because I was sick and I had to make some radical change all of a sudden. It's much more difficult for people that are doing this because they're already sick and we have to, they have to do something emergently. Now, that's not to say that by doing this radical change that they're not going to get benefits from it. It's, it's the sustainability. So that's where we like to work with people where they are and meet them where they are. And it may be such that Um, you know um, they're going to have some some meat in their diet but then it becomes are are they going to be mindful enough to control the portions and then when they're educated about well I'm going to have a little bit of this once in a while does it really matter most of the time people come around and say you know what I feel so much better on a plant-based diet that I really don't want this I don't think it's the same with processed food I think that any diet out there, the reason why they work both from a health standpoint and weight standpoint is you're going to get rid of processed food. So things that have additives in them, chemicals in them, labels in them that are a paragraph, I don't think anybody can control them for the most part. Uh, and there's going to be metabolic waste and I don't think they're good for anybody over a of time. So. That's not, you know, so that's not where I meet people, where they are. Uh, I meet people when it comes down to macronutrients for the most part. And I thought it was very interesting in his book when he looked at, you know, people, the high fat, uh, for the most part, uh, people do, um, you know, high fat is associated with cardiovascular disease, lifestyle diseases. And although, you know, these hunter-gatherer societies eat protein, it's a very lean protein. There's very little fat in their diet. Uh, it's, a, it's a low-fat diet and a lot of um, high-fiber, complex carbohydrates and, and, and simple carbohydrates. The other thing that people talked about in the area that he talked about in the book was the tribal relationship. Um, as humans, we like to be part of a tribe. That's one thing we do. We share our food. We share our um, living quarters, environments with other people. We're, we're part of a social group, and, and we need that. And sometimes when people become plant-based by themselves, they lose that tribal, tribal connection to their people, so to speak. So I've, I've been putting that question out there. Um, you know, who's your tribe? Who are the people that you hang out and you can depend with? Um, can you put your differences aside and come up with things that you are like other people, even though your nutritional difference may be, you know, may be different? And I think that's where it has to be, because there's, there's not going to be a lot of people that are plant-based for the most part, um, especially early on. So, you know, in this, in this era of being black and white and yes, you're vaccinated or no, you're not vaccinated or yes, you're a Democrat, no, you're Republican, no, you're this, you're not, you know, these teams that, that we put people on, you're either with me or without me. I think that we need to... Take time to look at what do you what do you define as your tribe? Can you be around people that have nutritional difference but have other other similarities? And again, you know, down to the basic, we're all people. We all want to be healthy. We all uh, love our families. And so, start to look for similarities as opposed to differences. And don't worry so much about what other people eat. And maybe have that conversation with. Um, your tribe members that, you know, Hey, uh, I'm, I eat a little bit different than you, but it's okay. Uh, um, it doesn't bother me where you are. Um, I'm not going to try to change the way you eat. Um, this is just happens to be the way, the way I eat. I had that conversation with our nutrition class today and you know, everybody's, we, we've had our nutrition class despite COVID and restrictions. And um, you know, some people may call it Cavalier. we, relied on people to not come if they were sick and make their own choices. But it's been, a, it's been a tribe for people. It's been someplace where they can go with like-minded people, share a meal, learn uh, about something that they're passionate about without being judged, uh, and to have a group. So, yeah, you know, if you can find a, a group like that, whether it's a meetup group or, um, you know, you, you, have to find, you have to find your tribe. It certainly, it certainly helps uh, if you if you possibly can. And our nutrition class is very different. Um, you know, the people in the nutrition class, very different backgrounds, come from different places. If you've been in Florida or know anything about Florida, most of us aren't native Floridians. We've come from someplace else with different ethnic backgrounds, different heritage, different ways of life, uh, different jobs, different careers. And the thing that we have in common in the nutrition class is that people are eating plant-based. So all those other differences fall by the side so that we can you know, uh, have a moment to eat plant-based and not, ask, you know, not have to defend our, our, our nutritional choices. Yes. So one option is to have people over for a plant-based meal. Just, um, just have people over to share in fellowship uh, and, and other interests that you have in common and don't talk about the food. If it comes up, you can, you know, say what you're having and, and have a little conversation. But I still think the best way around it is um, to make people curious. When people are curious, they're, they're more likely to ask questions and, and to be um, less defensive about their as their own choices. And, you know, I think it's good to just tell people you're okay with their choices. And, and, and they have the right to make their choices, and, and you support them in it. The most important thing to me is to be able to continue to have a dialogue. Uh, for instance, J&J just pulled sunscreens off the market because of of carcinogens. Um, a lot of people have known about them for years. Um, you know, uh, dermatologists don't want people to get terrible sunburns. But sunscreen in and of themselves, they're very much absorbed, especially the spray kinds and, and can cause as much problems and they actually block the wrong kind of UV uh, radiation. So it probably doesn't protect against melanoma for the most part anyway. It may pr- uh, protect against some um, squamous or basal, but again, it may cause something a- along the other side. So, you know, I live in Florida. I try not to get sunburn, I'll cover up. Uh, to keep from getting sunburn, I usually try to get a gradual tan. Um, some people don't tan; they're they're very fair, and, and that makes it much more difficult. But if I get a little bit uh, starting in the spring, I, I don't burn, and I, I like the vitamin D exposure. But nevertheless, you know, J and J, same people making the vaccines, have not have been less than honest about uh, some of their products. Same thing with Bayer, who now owns uh, you know the company that owns Roundup. Uh, you know, more and more of that is coming to light. Uh, we talked about it in class, you know, Roundup, you spray on your weeds, you don't want to pull weeds, but that's a carcinogen that uh, is dangerous to you, but also dangerous to the water, dangerous to pets that come in contact with it. So, um, you know, these companies are are less than honest, and I think we need to be able to ask questions of any product, uh, but especially when it comes to drug companies, they need to be forthright and open. And to think that anybody should take them on a Uh, You know, this won't hurt you. There's no side effects. There's side effects to everything. And as individuals, we have to base uh, the risk versus benefit to each of us on an individual basis. So, you know, again, I come back to it. We should be able to ask questions. You should be able to ask questions of drug companies, of your physician. And if somebody says there are no risks, that's just not so. Um, I liked um, in Dr uh Ponzer's book you know he made reference to a lot of diet so-called gurus on you know what they think our ancestors ate and he's like you know they weren't they weren't anthropologists they've never been to a dig they don't they you know everybody just speculates and uh there's still a lot of debate and when somebody says i know everything and um, that's usually a recipe for disaster because there's, there's a lot of things that we don't know and still evolving. And again, when I read some of these things, it does make me question plant-based nutrition. Is this the best thing that I can recommend for, for 100% of my patients? And the, probably the answer is no. Um, again, if it comes down to that it is stressing one of my patients so bad that they're going to have a heart attack because they can't feed themselves, then that's not doing them any good. So I need to back up and take a step and educate people and let them make choices at, in their own, in, in, you know, at their own rate. But also we have to have a dialogue on, you know, and, you know, again, um, a dialogue that I had this week. Well, you know, why can't I have fish and chicken? And it's like, certainly, if you want fish and chicken, that's, that's going to be your choice, um, but the difference would be the metabolic waste that you accumulate with it so how much are you going to have are you going and they say well portion size and it's like well I don't know four ounces every once in a while and it's like only four ounces and it's like yeah that's the problem because when you have the piece of fish or they have the piece of chicken you have the PCBs the dioxins the saturated fat and cholesterol that goes with it so portion control has to be Uh, thought of because of not so much the macronutrient, not so much of the taste, but because of the metabolic side effects that you have from these things, but it's still your choice. As an endurance athlete, I have um, injured myself on occasion, Um, you know, do as I say, not as I do, sometimes falls uh, is, is advice that, that, that I may give somebody um, because I have done stupid human tricks like everybody else and pushed it a little too far and, and got injured. Um, probably my biggest running injuries have been throwing my back out um, uh, from decreased hip mobility and um, basically stretching and muscle imbalance to Achilles tendonitis. And there was a recent um, article that did a randomized trial looking at Achilles tendonitis, looking whether or not you could inject platelet-rich plasma uh, to get people back on their feet quicker. And uh, one of uh, uh, I did a relay with some friends many years ago, and in training for that uh, event and training for a marathon, I got Achilles tendonitis, and I tried to run through it and did some things, and it, it kept getting worse and. Finally, uh, when the race was about ready to start, I did not want to not be able to do the relay with these people, so I, I got an injection of steroids into my Achilles, which was complicated by um, a, a bruise into the tendon and kind of made things worse. Before it made things better, I managed to hobble through part of the relay, didn't do my part, did part of my part, and um, you know then had to do the long rehab process afterwards. But this trial was to look whether you took your your, um, plasma and they spin it down and they inject this platelet-rich plasma and looked at six months whether or not um, people uh, did better. And the reality of it is they didn't. And, you know, again, your Achilles hurt and they injected and it was inflamed. And so the treatment was aimed at the part that hurt but that really wasn't the part that was causing the problem. So if anybody's had Achilles problems or plantar fasciitis, Achilles is that big tendon in the back that attaches your calf muscles to your heel. And it's usually not the Achilles that's got weak that caused the problem. It is the calf muscle above it that became tight and was ignored and then finally pulled and pulled and pulled on the achilles like until uh, there was injury so it can be a complete tear or it can be a lot of inflammation Um, but that's where the problem is so again injecting at the site didn't make a darn bit of difference as far as people's recovering because the treatment wasn't aimed at where the problem is so you know a hint looking at injuries especially running and exercise injuries and extremity injuries it's not really where the pain is it's usually above it could be below it but for the most part it's usually above it or around it that's causing the problem my back went out it wasn't really my back it was more my hip the the imbalance of the muscles around my hip when I fixed those my back got better if you address your calf muscles and there's a lot of them that come together down to form that big tendon by, by doing some mobility work there, you can make that go away pretty quick, but you can stretch all you want that Achilles and inject all you want into that Achilles tendon, and it's not the inflammation or the, or the problem's not going to go away until you fix what's actually causing the problem, not the result of the problem. And I think, you know, in conclusion, that's a lot of what we do in medicine, is that we treat the thing that we can see but we don't look at what's actually causing the problem and the fix that we're in and you know back to nutrition it is you know um, what kind of nutrients are we taking in and how much energy are we taking in if it's a blood pressure what is causing the blood pressure problem the what is causing the blood vessel problem And we need to look at the bottom line for what, you know, the underlying cause as opposed to just treating the consequence of what's going wrong. So, um, you know, if you're wearing your tires out because you have your parking brake on and you're trying to drive with it and you're scooting your tires along and you wear them out, just getting new tires is not going to fix it. You need to take your parking brake off. Probably a stupid analogy for any mechanics out there or any car people, but um, you, you you get the point. So, again, in our practice, we try to address the underlying cause, not just treat the symptoms. We hope to give people an uh, optimal health and wellness, not just a Twinkie diet that will allow them to maintain their weight where they want it, but a diet that's rich in nutrients and antioxidants and fiber that will allow them to remain healthy from all lifestyle diseases and to become active. Uh, and to become mobile so that they can actually exercise and and keep all those systems going. So if you'd like to join our practice, Um, we do have a cap-on membership, but as long as there are spaces, you can go on over to drdelaney.com and uh, see uh, the plans we have to offer. We have a uh, a large website with webinars on uh, nutrition, cooking, Exercise videos, lectures, um, as well as um, Zoom classes, and we have a f- private Facebook page. Our online members have access to that. Uh, level one member is uh, gets a consult from Addie once a month, our registered dietitian, and a level two gets a call from me and Addie. Everybody gets uh, access to our vast website information and our full membership um, you have access to us as much as you need and uh, we can participate in your medical care so i'd love to help you uh, whether it's uh, learning more about plant-based nutrition exercise lifestyle diseases i believe most of these lifestyle diseases will go away if we just get people in the right nutritional path Um, but i also think we need to do it um, in accordance with their lifestyle and their psyche uh, so that we can help people um, be healthy and happy thank you as always for listening um, you can email me at jamie at drdelaney.com it's j-a-m-i at drdelaney.com I would love for you to go over to iTunes and give me a 5 star rating so we could get this podcast out to more people um, you can check out what we eat uh, with our cookbook plant based wellness cookbook A Doctor diet, the doctor the dietitian and the diva and that's available on Amazon. And if you like coffee, you can go over to groundsandhounds.com, Sophie says. And uh, my friends will help you out, get some uh, good ground coffee and help a dog in the in the, in the process. Um, I've, you've heard a lot from Sophie today on the podcast. She has, uh, we're inside doing the podcast and she's kind of wanting to play a little bit more ball than I can do while doing a podcast. But nevertheless, I've been accompanied by... Sophie and Gretchen and Vinny, too. So we all thank you for listening and hope to talk to you next week. And I have a couple good interviews coming up, so stay tuned. Thank you.